1: City Radio Saturday morning show presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Strap yourselves in. Here are your hosts, Chris Schmidt. Y'all don't even know he was a virgin until he's 28, and now, roll tide.
2: And Mark Kranak.
1: Time has come for someone to put his foot down. And that foot is me.
3: Welcome to it, weekend editions here at Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt and Will Wilson is uh, back in studio. Will's just spent the night. He spent the entire last four or uh, five days uh, doing his thing. We're streaming live here on StreamYard with ESPN Lincoln on Facebook and on Twitter and just bopped in the head by my favorite offensive lineman, Jeremiah Searles, is with us. It is that time of year. It is tee-off for Treasures time as the ninth annual golf tournament at uh, Woodland Hill. Searles, you are awesome. Good to see you, Good my friend. Good to see friend. you again. Two weekends in a row. I know, man. It's... golf
4: courses. I mean, we could make a habit out of this. I,
3: I think we just tour golf courses. It's the Sear- Searles World Tour. <laughs> Willie J. had a little uh, breakfast uh, sandwich. They put cheese on it this morning. You're not a happy guy.
1: Yeah, I'm not a really a big cheese guy, especially when it comes to those <laughs> breakfast sandwiches. But I fought through it, guys. It's good. What's the matter with you? It's
3: just how it is, man. I know. I know. I get a lot of crap for it, but uh, it's just rightfully a,
4: so. Yeah,
3: but it was still tasty. I'll say that.
1: Okay. okay. Yeah,
3: we had the. Uh, it wasn't quite midnight Taco Bell run, but it was about ten o'clock. Uh, June, I had to pick Junior up from his girlfriend's. Oh, yeah. Little ten o'clock curfew. Uh, yeah, uh, I had a, a whiskey with a buddy and picked up Junior and. Uh got him. He's like, Dad, Taco Bell. What's the
4: go to junior Taco Bell? Or- uh, what? It's going
3: to run me 20 bucks. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's, that's the go to. Uh, you could uh,
4: feed a family of like eight for like $4 a Taco I Bell. I know. I mean, well, it's inflation now, so probably more like eight. But eight it's 18, same, We'll right? figure it out.
3: But uh, Jeremiah Searles with us. Searles, uh, let's uh, get caught up, man. It's great to see you again. We're at Woodland Hills, the ninth annual uh, Tea Off for Treasures, Tyson Treasure Chest. Um, fundraiser and, and of course, uh, golf outing. And Searles, uh, let's uh, start off with the story, my friend, about Tyson and uh, his wonderful family, Austin and and Liz, and just your connection. Let's let the listeners in if they're hearing about Tyson's somehow for the first time. Uh, But, man, nine years, you and uh, your lovely wife, Emma, have been so just gracious and wonderful with your time but it's it's really a part of who you are
4: yeah absolutely i mean i got a chance to actually meet tyson when he and austin and liz came and toured the stadium when tyson was very sick um so he was fighting pediatric brain cancer which is why the whole foundation was Mm -hmm. created he was able to come to the stadium and we gave him a tour it was me rex burkhead taylor martinez legate they have a great picture from when we were able to come and that visit really stuck with me and so i was able to stay close with the family Mm -hmm. with liz and austin and when Tyson passed, it was one of those when he passed, it was one of those where I had to reach out to Keith Zimmer and life skills and be like, you know, I, I, think I, need a, I think I need to take a little break from the childhood cancer visits because those are really starting to eat at me. Mm-hmm. And uh, that kind of lit some conviction in me to stay close to Liz and Austin and then got in the NFL and was mm-hmm. able to then turn around and do what the NFL does best and give back. Mm-hmm. And uh, started as just being a sponsor of the event, um, wasn't even part of the board or anything, and then eventually worked our way up to Em and I are both now on the board of Tyson's. And uh, we just reg- work every year, put the golf turn on to build chests. toys. Um, they, Austin, build a big toy chest that we put in children's hospitals so that kids that are going through chemo or going through any type of cancer treatment or anything have a a toy they can go grab and it's new and it's something to play with and distract them. Even if it's for 15 minutes, Mm -hmm. it's just a way to distract them. And, you know, so um, this now we're raising close to anywhere between 20 and 30 grand a year for this with the golf tournament and just continue to put money into fighting this horrible disease.
3: Well, and you want to bring happiness to kids and uh, the, the story with Tyson and uh, bringing blankets, bringing toys, and uh, having that big uh, treasure chest that they go to different hospitals uh, that are, are part of the battle against pediatric brain cancer, and uh, it's bringing joy and smiles to a kid's life during a, a really uh, tough moment. And uh, it's been uh, a a process that has been very blessed with just the the amount of of outreach and giving and the growth of of just what what this has done for so many families and so many kids.
4: Yeah, and what's been so great is how many of my teammates and then even companies I'm associated with have rallied behind, too. I mean, so Spencer Long will be out here again. He's been a sponsor of the event for Mm -hmm. three, four years. Brent Qualley's been a sponsor for for five years. He actually won the Difference Maker Award. Him and Melissa won that last year which was great for them. You know, Lazari's is still, they cater the food in every year. Seth and Gregor's. Seth and Gregor's are the best, right? And then, I mean, even companies like Kratos, the gym that I work at, they've rallied behind it. So it's just great to see when there's great causes and then you live in a great community like Lincoln and you surround yourself with a great community like people in Nebraska. How many people want to help? Mm-hmm. and how many people want to be involved in, especially when it comes to diseases like pediatric brain cancer. I know we were Team Jack last weekend, which the same thing, but this is a smaller organization, but it's got just as much support because mm-hmm. it means just that much to people. And that, that's what really has been so cool for me to see how this thing grows throughout the community and how people every year come midsummer like, man, the golf tournament's happening again this year. It's like, hey, better get it. We sold out in 30 minutes this year. So, I mean, that's if you're so not great. a sponsor and you're not getting on the thing right away, you're not going to get a seat, which is just so cool to see. Because, I mean, I think we had, like, 12 our first year, 12 like, teams, and now it's just selling out quickly, and people are like, do you have any spots left? And it's a, it's a hard thing to say no, but at the same time, it's just great to see how far this thing has come.
3: Jeremiah Searles with us, Husker NFLer, and uh, part of uh, Tyson's Treasure Chest. You want to donate? You didn't get into the golf tournament this year. We're out at Woodland Hills, and just a phenomenal course. Uh, great people out here you can log on today, Tyson's Treasure Chest.org, the ninth annual tee-off for treasures. This is an incredible tournament this is fun this Mm -hmm. is a lot of fun golf tournaments rock anyway but this is special because of some of the unique designs Uh, i've had uh, a chance to play on your and spencer's team a couple of different times and uh let's just say that the old tee off from the thrones always entertaining oh yeah where you have to sit down and we got a uh, new
4: golden toilet this year too it's not
1: broken
3: (laughs) the old golden throne uh you have to, to try and stripe it down the middle but Uh, Searles, this is so wonderful with uh, your outreach and uh, just kind of a testament to you, your family uh, and your teammates with uh, the outreach and and what you've done to, to, to give back. I am going to keep you for two more seconds to talk a little football, bud. And uh, we're 42 days away. It's crazy. What's this like for you? Uh, if you go back in time, uh, always nervous energy uh, with your career, be it either the NFL or, or Nebraska or, Give me another week of decompress because it's just a, it's a sprint once the, the once camp gets going.
4: Once Fourth of July hits, July you 5th, feel it. July fifth, you can see the dark cloud over the horizon. <laughs> that is training camp. It's just there, and it just ever keeps getting closer, day in and day out. Um, you know, in college, you kind of get you're kind of getting ready because you're just tired of summer school and tired of conditioning, and you're like ready to go do something, right. NFL is a little different because you're home, you're with your family. And it's like this big send off. Or college is kind of a seamless transition, you know, but in college, you're just kind of ready to go because it marks the start of the next cycle, which is season. Mm -hmm. And that's what you work all other eight months of the year for, for those four months to go out there and showcase all the work that you've done. And, you know, I think this year there's going to be a lot of nervous energies because so many new faces, so many new coaches so much new, right? So much uncertainty and in a world that loves certainty, when you have a bunch of uncertainty, you can add a lot of emotion to it. So I'm really excited to kind of see what this Husker group has this year and what they're going to look like. But I think right now, a lot of the players, you got some young guys that are hungry. You got some old guys that are like, oh boy, here we go again. And then you got a bunch of new faces that are ready to prove themselves.
3: Searles, one thing I really appreciated about your teams was the leadership and uh, the the backbone and and you guys truly – Uh, had each other's backs, Mm -hmm. it wasn't just an offense or a deep, I mean, all all three phases cared about one another, and and that showed on the field, and that's my question, I think it's a lot of people's question here going into 2022, new isn't bad, necessarily, Mm -hmm. Uh, new faces on the coaching staff, that's not a bad thing, Uh, new faces uh, on third and eight off the edge, uh, in O'Shawn Mathis, not a bad thing, but new doesn't happen immediately. Right. That's my question here with your experience as, you know, a guy who's been a captain and also, you know, a voice on several teams. Uh how can that get microwaved to the appropriate temperature here so it's a good thing in Ireland, not a, oh, no, thing yeah. in Ireland.
4: Yeah, you know, I think that that started when they got on campus. You know, you don't just walk in and command respect. You walk in and you earn respect, regardless if you're a senior transfer or whatever it is. You're in a new environment. There's new culture set. There's new standards that you're walking into. And so, you know, I think that a lot of that has to be earned through the off season. but so much of it is what do you do between the white lines because you can be a workout warrior all the live long day. You're not performing on the field. You're not going to get listened to. It's just that simple. Versus I know guys that were really quiet, really didn't – I think of a guy like Rex Burkhead. He wasn't a really raw, raw, loud guy, but he got on the field and you just commanded respect. He commanded respect by the way he played the game and by the way he practiced. By the way, he showed up every single day to practice ready to go, right? So I think that's what you got to see is who in training camp is really performing well, who are guys rallying behind, who are guys going, okay, I want to play like him or who's pulling guys with them. You know that's something that all has to happen rather quickly, like you said, because we did lose some leaders on the team. I think of guys like Austin Allen. I think of guys mm-hmm. like Adrian Martinez. You know, there, there Ben Stillies, like. There's a lot of holes that are left to fill, but in that leaves opportunity for guys that maybe we're not sure are going to ready to take that role. I mean, who knows if all of a sudden we're talking about a guy that's like, oh, Feast is a leader, right? Like you just there's a random guy that pops up that you're like. Holy cow! Look how big of a step um, Turner Corcoran's taken, or mm-hmm. look how big of a step some of these guys are. Ramir Johnson's taken in the leadership role. You know, we don't get to see these guys in that microwave like you've talked about during the offseason, but we'll actually get some looks at these guys come training camp and see really who's kind of in that next step.
3: Jeremiah Searles with us, Hale Varsity Radio weekend here. Off for Treasures, the ninth annual Off for Treasures. Uh, as here's the the little man <laughs> joining oh, Big Daddy pepper. on the on the radio. Uh, we are here for the uh, the, the Tia for Treasures Golf Tournament, Hill uh, uh, Varsity Radio Weekend. Searle's last thought, and I'll let you get to your family uh, O line, and uh, that's uh, some puzzle pieces to fit together. I really uh, like uh, the talent on the O line, but it's got to be kind of kind of figured out. I, I'm interested here, what what the ask is of this line, in, in your opinion here, with uh, with what Riola and Whipple are gonna. Going to kind of get on the same page with you. What's what's the mentality? What's the uh, the identity?
4: Well, you know, first of all, you got to find the five guys. You know, you got to find the the, 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 the you got to find those five, and you got to find them early. You know, I don't think this is an line that you can wait to be like, well, we'll wait till two weeks before to name our group. Like with a young group, especially you're talking about now missing Nuri, who was the oldest guy in the mm-hmm. room. You're now saying this young group has to come together, and we have to find the five to start them working together in a big way. Because with Whipple offense, it is a little bit of a downhill. It is a little bit of a wide zone. It's a little bit of everything, and it's not –
0: Pro style? It's
4: a little bit more pro style, Mm -hmm. right, which is a lot of combinations on the front of double teams and working together with your zone schemes and working together with your doubles and your passing off games and all those things in the pass game. So, you know, I think that the big thing is going to be continuity and the other thing is going to be staying healthy. This is not a group that can afford any injuries, and I hate saying that, but it's just, I mean, I'll knock on wood here, but it's just the truth. I mean, you look at the depth of this offensive line, and it is scarce, to say the least. You're one or two injuries away from being in a big, big problem. So getting those guys healthy, making sure they're right. But really, it's just about being competitive and just being aggressive. You know, I think that you heard a lot of that coming out of spring ball, running off the ball and all that. That's great. Now continue to do it and build off of that. I think if you can do that, it'll be just fine. And then, really, it's pass protection. You know, last year, our tackles weren't very good. It's pretty simple. It wasn't a good showing by Bryce Benhart, Turner Corcoran. Teddy showed good, but they're still very small sample size mm-hmm. of him. We can't anoint him king just yet. And, you know, I think that – Those two guys on the edge have to make big jumps, whoever they may be, because I don't care who's throwing the ball back there. If they only have two or three seconds in college, I mean, in NFL, sure, Tom Brady can get it, but in college, you need three seconds or more, and that's a big ask for some of these guys that didn't have great years last year.
3: Do you think the – is there a 1,000-yard rusher, assuming this line comes – are in that running back room?
4: You know, I think that if they run the ball like they want to with Whipple, then I think there's a chance. You know, I think it is for – the only reason I hesitate to say yes for sure is because I think that's they need a little one? bit running back by committee. You know, I don't necessarily know if you're going to have a guy early that just takes it by storm and has those early couple 150, 160-yard rushing games early in the season, which then propels to that 1,000-yard season, right? I think you might see guys like Ramirez and Grant and some of these other guys that are in there like, okay, he had 70, he had 60, he had 55. And so it might not be a true 1,000-yard rusher, but I do think we're going to have the most rushing yards than we've had in a long time okay. as a unit.
3: Jeremiah Searles with us, Tee off for Treasures, ninth annual Tee Off for Treasures uh, golf classic here at Woodland Hills. And uh, we're talking a little football, and we're uh, telling you about Tyson's treasure chest. And uh, it's a golf tournament you need to be a part of, you want to be a part of. And Searles, you and uh, your family are wonderful. Thank you. Thank you so much. And thanks to all the folks that come out uh, yet again to help uh, fight against pediatric brain cancer and uh, get uh, all those toys and blankets and and warm moments in that uh, that treasure chest to get to go to different cancer hospitals around the country, children's hospitals. We'll uh, spend a bit more time here uh, next hour. We'll check in with Brandon Vogel. We're streaming live ESPN Lincoln on Facebook and uh, also on ESPN Lincoln's Twitter. As uh, we're on the road this weekend, uh, we'll check in with the Iron Horse, Gary Sharp. Some more thoughts on the offensive line as we'll rewind. Uh, coming up with uh, Rob Zadiska, Dr. Rob will uh, join us that earlier conversation. Cyril's. who is uh, going to claim the crown today at the TIA for Treasures? You've had some good teams, but uh, a little birdie tells me you've you've been... Just close. Uh, there's gonna be that tiger moment for somebody, right? Walking up eighteen. Uh, I mean,
4: last year the winner shot a thirty-nine. So oh, wow. There's a lot of cheats. There's a lot of cheats. <laughs> you can you can buy your championship here, I would which say is fine for me, because you uh, buy your championship, it's more money to be that brain cancer. So buy all the cheats.
3: <laughs> so <laughs> contribute to get creative contribute. accounting wise. Exactly. Contribute uh, buy your to win. Prize. Buy your prize. Brother, I'll let you get to it. Thank Thanks you. again, man. Hey, okay, go big red. Yep, there he is. Jeremiah Searles can find him on Twitter. No, no, not, 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 not this morning. Not this morning. <laughs> uh, we'll get a GBO next time. Take See care, you. guys. See ya. It's uh, Jeremiah Searles uh, at Searles 71 underscore HSKR is where you uh, find him. And just uh, real quick, from a mission standpoint, uh, with Tyson's treasure chest, their goal is to put uh, happiness back into the hands of children fighting cancer and illness. And they uh, achieved this by creating a large, toy chests shaped like a treasure chest and they're filled with toys and blankets and stuffed animals and other items and this chest uh, donated to select hospitals that treat childhood cancer and diseases and all the chests are handmade by uh, Liz and Austin Chambers they're constructed from uh, solid oak and uh, other uh, wonderful uh, woods that are stained and sealed uh, that'll last a lifetime and each chest is uh, carved by Liz to ensure how much love and grace goes into them how are you? Uh, so uh, this is just a wonderful event, and uh, we are uh, grateful to be out here. Uh, let's take a timeout. We'll get to the rewind here coming up as uh, we'll hit on the offensive line a little bit more. Big thanks to Jeremiah Searles for having us out here. Also, Woodland Hills with off for Treasures. Uh, Brandon Vogel next hour. Gary Sharp next hour. Dr. Rob Zadiska to Taco Line. It's on the way. Weekend edition. Hail Varsity. We're presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Podcast. We're offering ten dollars off the annual subscription price. That means that you can get everything we do: ten issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HailVarsity.com backslash subscribe and enter in the promo code GBR for ten dollars off a full year of Hail Varsity. That's HailVarsity.com backslash subscribe promo code GBR.
5: With Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery, with Chris Schmidt and Mark Kranach.
3: Back with you, it's hour two. It's Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Let's talk some lines of scrimmage. We welcome in the Good Doctor and uh, his podcast with Travis Justice, been going on for a number of years. The Doc Talk podcast. We say hi to Dr. Rob Zadiska. Dr. Rob, how are we doing today?
5: I'm, well, a little warm, a little warmer today than I thought it was going to be. So, but, I mean, that's, man, it's July in Nebraska, so that's what you get.
3: That's what you do get. Uh, we always get into a, a beer conversation at some point during the interview. Uh, we'll get there in a minute. The, the topic of fake IDs have come up. And uh, Elijah, <laughs> who you talked to uh, just moments ago, his his father got on Twitter and kind of well, outed him in in the process uh, about uh, Elijah. Suddenly, one day was from Missouri, and uh, and this this helped him navigate. I got to ask you, and you don't have to incriminate yourself, but I, I'm wondering. He made did, me incriminate myself, so you better incriminate well, yourself. Well, my question <laughs> is: is did did guys on the football team in your era have to jack with a fake ID, or if there was a little window between uh, workouts? Could you go down to your favorite water and hole and and just get in? Is that uh, membership has its privileges type deal?
5: Oh, boy. You know what? Most of those places in downtown Lincoln were pretty tight on that. So, you know, if you didn't have uh, – okay, let me preface this by saying I never did have a fake ID. Me neither. But most most of those places were pretty tight on – uh, on, on on checking stuff, so it's they didn't want to get in trouble. You always had undercover police mm-hmm. doing periodic checks as well, so you you kind of had to play it a little bit safe, otherwise, coach would get kicked. I uh, uh, funny story. There was a guy on the one of our kickers actually. You know what? I'm completely outing him on the radio here, but <laughs> did he, he wear uh, number
3: forty seven?
5: No, he did not wear 40 okay, so Okay. <laughs> um, but one of our kickers his freshman year made a fake ID, <laughs> needed to get the little plastic coating put on it, which they would do at places like Kinko's or any other copier center. So he actually walked into Kinko's and handed over his fake ID <laughs> that he had made that he just needed to get the that plastic laminate put on there, and asked the guy to laminate it. And the guy goes, oh, okay, hold on. And he takes it and goes into the back of the store and doesn't come out for several minutes. And uh, the player in question had uh, starts getting nervous, so he starts kind of hollering at the guy like, hey, come back here. Give me my ID. And he said the, the Kiko's the employee finally comes out, Tells him, hey, i got to have you wait here. I can't give you the ID back, but the police are on their way. <laughs> and so the guy panics, runs out of the Kinkos, jumps in his car, and hauls back to the dorms thinking he's a- avoided a, an arrest for manufacturing a fake ID. The problem is that he drove this bright red... Sports car, and I don't rem- remember if it was a Trans Am or an old Pontiac Firebird, something like that. But picture, we'll say, a bright red, like 1989 Trans Am <laughs> with a personalized license plate, Kicker One. Oh my God!
3: He had Kicker One on <laughs> so the plates.
5: He did, which was pr- pretty pretty ballsy for a freshman kicker. <laughs> um, but it also made him incredibly easy to track down because all the Kinkos guy had to do was look out the window and it's like alright, bright red Trans Am kicker one, got it, I'll just <laughs> let the police know that so the the guy said he got back to his dorm room and it was probably the old Harper Shram smith dorms I think gets in his dorm room and he said it was maybe 20 minutes later there was a knock on the door, it was the the Lincoln Police Department there to issue him a citation for trying to manufacture a fake ID.
3: So was that punishable by stairs? What did? Because uh, Dan Young was special teams, correct?
5: Yeah, I can't. You know, I got to be honest. I don't remember. I, I know. I know the coaching staff put him through the paces. I don't remember what the punishment was, but I know it wasn't pleasant.
3: <laughs> I'm still. Uh, I'm still was this the kicker from Texas?
5: It was it was not Byron Bennett.
3: Okay, I'm just I'm okay. So I'm <laughs> I'm zero for 2. I'm 0 for 2. It's not Stiggy, it's not Byron
5: Bennett. And yeah, I, it's, it's not the it's Mike Stiggy, the strongest putter in the world.
3: <laughs> I uh I'm I'm over then, man. I don't remember who was who was who was kicker one back in the No, old. that's
5: probably okay because he was not kicker one at the time.
3: <laughs> uh Rob Zadiska with us here, Hail Var City Radio. So we're good. We got the fake ID stuff out of the way. Let's dive into some Nebraska football. And uh, Rob, let me let me ask you this first and foremost. Uh what what do you believe about the offensive line? What what do you believe they they can do? Um, oh, I know, boy. I know I, well, I'm serious. I mean I I know that's a super broad, but man, there's so many puzzle pieces that got to fit together. Yeah, bud.
5: you know, and it's a good question, man. We've talked about this before a little bit. You know, the, the the biggest thing I have is that I man, I've got a massive amount of uncertainty, and it just and it's across the board, and, and it's gotten more uncertain here. When you lose uh, Newelli with the, the, the drug test. So, I mean, it's like you, you kind of go across the line. You kind of felt like we had a little bit of sort of a pretty good setup here where he had Prohask at one tackle, um, Ben Harder Corcoran at the other tackle, probably Corcoran, what it seemed like. You had Nuelli at one guard, you had Trent Hicks in it at center and then maybe either Ben Hart or maybe Brock Bando at the other guard mm-hmm. spot. So you kinda of had a little bit of this lineup that you could look at and say, okay, you know, we got some known commodities here. We got some guys who who played pretty darn well last year for, for, for good chunks of the season. Well, all of a sudden now Teddy's coming back from a pretty bad knee injury. That's a question mark until you get him out on the field and you really see what he can do in a game situation. I I mean, I don't care if anybody looks like a rock star during practices leading up to the first game. Until he gets out there on that field in Ireland against a defensive end from Northwestern, you're not going to know what kind of – productivity he's going to have on that repaired knee and you're not going to and the other thing is is you've always got a question you got a guy who suffered a pretty bad injury how well does he come back from that in terms of just overall durability is this a guy that's going to potentially re-injure that knee is this a guy that um, th- that you're going to that is going to injure the other knee there's always that durability question when you see a guy coming back from an injury like that. So that's a huge question mark. Losing Newellie was a big one. I was a huge fan of the guy. He's an absolute brawler, and I love that about him. I, I thought he was next next to Cam Jurgens. I thought he was the most aggressive offensive lineman last season. Mm-hmm. Actually, I thought I thought Teddy was actually pretty damn aggressive too. But um, but losing Ellie, I, I think that's a that's a pretty big loss in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And so again, it goes back to who's going to step in and fill that hole. My my assumption right now is, assuming they're healthy, is that you're going to see Ben Hart and Brock Bando um, at the guard spots unless somebody like Brant Banks steps up. Um, you got some of the transfer guys like, oh, is it Thomas from, uh, Oklahoma State? Hunt, I'm sorry, Hunter Anthony from Oklahoma State. Yeah, Anthony State. and then
3: Williams from Northern Colorado.
5: Yeah. yeah and, and, I mean, and Williams is, I mean, he's an Omaha North kid. I remember watching him in high school. And the kid was, I thought he was an excellent prospect at the time. Mm-hmm. He, he's a huge, huge human being. Um, and if and if he can come in, has the footwork, has the aggressiveness, it, Williams is a guy that I'd love to see step in because I've watched him play in high school and and I really do think he's a guy that can play at this level and play very well at this level i i I mean, I've watched clips of Hunter Anthony, the Oklahoma State transfer, I've watched clips of him play. He's kind of – he's had some spurts where he's done really well, where he started at both tackle and guard. And so he's got the ability. I mean, it's not like Oklahoma State's a bad team. They're mm-hmm. a very good football team in the fact that he spent time starting for them. He's, the kid's got to have some ability. Um, but, again, it's, I'll be curious to see if we see those guys at one or even both those guard spots with New now gone. I still think Hickson's going to be the center. I haven't really heard anything coming out of Lincoln to change my mind on that. And quite frankly, I think the kid's a little bit of an underrated football player overall in his career at Nebraska. I don't want to say there's been a knock against him because he was originally a walk-on, but sometimes that can change a coach's perception on a guy. If they're not a scholarship Mm -hmm. guy, you get a little bit of a maybe a little bit of a subconscious bias that the guy couldn't be that good because he was originally a walk-on. But I think Hickson's going to do – would it, in fact, actually be a solid center? And then it comes down to that other tackle spot with with Corcoran, maybe Ben Hart, but it it sounds like they've kind of liked Corcoran more so than Ben Hart once Prohaska stepped into that left tackle spot.
1: Rob Zadiska is with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. And and Rob, there's still a lot of question marks surrounding this offensive line, but one thing I've been hearing and one thing I I believe to be true is the fact that this offensive line uh, under Ryola lost a lot of weight during spring ball with the intention of building it back up this summer. I just want to get your take on how that strikes you. If some of these guys lost 20, 30 pounds during spring ball before being built back up, what do you think that means the plan is for Ryola this summer and getting into fall camp?
5: I think he wants guys, and that's the thing. I'll be curious to see how the offense looks because I think, he A, he wants guys who can move. I think he wants guys who have a little more speed and power. You don't have to be the 340-pound offensive lineman in order to succeed at this level, but you've got to have strength. You've got to have explosiveness. You do need some size, but, I mean, I thought... The two best offensive linemen on the team last year when healthy was Teddy and cam mm-hmm. and Teddy was probably i i don't think he was much more than three hundred pounds three hundred ten pounds maybe um he he looked like he was a power forward in basketball because the kid's like six freaking six ten but it, it's He played very aggressively and especially taking his height into consideration, his ability to drop his level, bring his hips down close to the ground and get himself low enough to take on interior defensive linemen. I thought was, um, was amazingly impressive. He was a very aggressive run blocker at a weight that you you wouldn't normally think, I mean, quote-unquote, only 300 pounds or so. Normally you think of those hardcore run blockers it's kind of these 325, 330-pound road graders. And so for Teddy to be that aggressive, aggressively effective run blocker I thought was impressive at his weight. Cam Juergens played, I mean, Cam really, over the course of the time that he played, he was always an effective blocker. I mean, it it took him a year and a half to get the damn snaps down, but excluding the snap issues, his blocking ability was never in question. The guy was always a very explosive, very aggressive, very good blocker. And I thought that showed, and that's the reason he got drafted where he did. Um, So I... He he maxed out. He might have been maybe three three oh five this past year, if that. I think he kind of hovered closer to around two ninety five. But so you got a guy who, again, it's not that stereotypical three hundred and thirty pound, just massive behemoth offensive lineman that you think that exists that, that only exists here in the Big Ten. You see nobody smaller than that. That wasn't the case. Our, our two best run blockers might have been two of the lighter guys on that line. Rob, so that, I don't think they have to have that size.
3: Uh, it's always fun to talk to a line, get some insight from an expert and a great player. At Nebraska, part of that pipeline and national champion, the pride of Lincoln East, Dr. Rob Zadiska, as he's joining us here this second hour. Dr. Rob, we won't keep you too long, and don't forget to check out Rob Zadiska's podcast with Travis Justice, The Doc Talk. Podcast, all the platforms uh, that you get your podcasts on is where you can listen and find them. You guys uh, crack a beer or two, correct, and 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 talk all sorts of football. Yes, and it's a great dynamic because you're a Husker and old well, Travis is a Hawkeye, and and uh, you you get along and you've gotten along for years, and it's it's really cool, uh, dear friends. And so Nebraska football with with Raiola here is going to have new techniques that's what coach frost has talked about uh, what does that mean to you uh new techniques uh what, what what could be the ask for this offensive line to be more effective And uh, another part of this too do you have an identity in mind rob what uh, what what is going to be the go-to for this football team i know whipple loves to throw it but the O-line line's such a domino for run game pass game and we know protection was an issue a year ago
5: it was, and I you know, I think, one, you are going to have to have that, that pass protection step up. I think the overall thing is you're just going to need to see a lot more aggression out of this offensive line, a lot more of an attacking uh, mindset. Now, just because you're passing the ball, pass protection does not have to be passive. Yeah. And, and when we played, we were trying to beat guys up even on pass protection. You were constantly looking for opportunities to get hits on guys. If you were the, if you were the free lineman in a pass protection scheme, then you're looking, you're looking down to the guy on the guard. If you're the guard, you're looking out to the guy on the tackle. You're looking to the, if you're the center, you're looking at those D linemen lined up over the guards. Do you got a chance there to take a free shot on a guy and get a hit? D-cleat a guy in midair when he's jumping up to you, try and knock down the pass. You can be aggressive during pass protection. It does not have to be passive, and I think that's got to be a mindset change. On the on the run blocking, you know, we, we've been hearing about how Ryola wants to switch over to a more aggressive style of run blocking, there's kind of two schools of thought with run blocking. One is that you sort of screen off the uh, the, the defensive line and sort of step sideways between them and the running lane. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a little more passive. You're really not trying to push the guy off the ball. You're just trying to get between the guy and where the ball carrier is going to be with the logic that, hey, if the defender has to go through you, that's going to be the harder way to defend a play. The other school of thought is you take the defensive lineman and you're literally going to try and physically move them backwards. You're going to move the defensive lineman away from the play. You're not necessarily going to put yourself between the D linemen and the ball. You're just going to try and push them backwards. That's kind of the style we ran when I played. If you go and look at a, I mean, a couple of teams that run that style, Iowa and Wisconsin are two very good examples of that. Um, the first style tends to be the, the screening the guy off style tends to be a little bit more popular. You see a lot of NFL coaches teaching that. And it's an effective system if you've got NFL caliber offensive linemen because you gotta have guys who can hold a position and kinda of, and move with the defender. Um, and not everybody has NFL talent. That's the problem with that technique. I always kind of preferred the more aggressive technique. If you could move a guy backwards even six, eight, ten inches on a play. You know what, you get a little bit of movement on one play, you're going to wear that defender out. And that style, the more aggressive run blocking where you're trying to move the guy backwards, it tends to fatigue defenses more. And that's one of the things I always liked about it was that aspect. And I like watching that style more. It's a more aggressive style. You see the offensive linemen kind of getting after it a little bit. And if you got guys that are explosive, are strong, have that strength and aggression, it's a fun offense to watch. I'm hoping that's what Whipple and Ryola are gonna do. And like I said, I'm fine with a guy like Whipple who wants to put the ball in the air. Hey, if Casey Thompson or Chuba uh or any of the other quarterbacks on the roster, if they can sling it and they got time to do so, go for it. But that doesn't mean you don't have to still – that doesn't mean you can't be aggressive up front. You can still be an aggressive pass blocker.
2: Well, I I mean, I just – whenever you talk about that, that
1: reminds me of the Big Ten as a whole, almost something like Minnesota's been doing the past couple years. So they get that physicality up
2: front. You can mix in the passing game when it becomes necessary. But that – get six eight inches of movement if you only get that but you get a, a 200 something pound running back coming downhill falling forward that's three four yard that's big 10 football right there
5: well it is and i think we've even we've seen that at minnesota i mean they've had a handful of different coaches over the last decade or so here but if you look at minnesota they've gone to a more kind of that again i hate pigeonholing one one or two teams on this but They've gone to, well, when it's not Nebraska, but Minnesota's gone to more of that Wisconsin or Iowa-style run block. And this is going back to the Jerry Kill era. Et cetera. Okay. I mean, we're going back 10, 12 years here that Minnesota's done this. And that's where you started to see Minnesota. All of a sudden, they weren't a laughing stock anymore. People are looking over. They're going like, that's a bunch of 300-pound bodies on those old lines at Minnesota. They're moving guys around. They're getting after it up front. And all of a sudden they're going to bowl games. They're they're causing fits for other teams. And all of a sudden Minnesota's a competitive team. They're not a pushover. They're not that they're not that instant win on your on, on their opponent's schedule anymore. And you can I mean, God, I make I make fun of, of row the boat. I mean it's <laughs> it's <laughs> And I I get it. Everybody does. But I mean, you go back more than 12 years ago, Minnesota was kind of a laughingstock. They were they were the Kansas football of the Big Ten. They're not anymore. And it had to do with their offensive style and kind of this desire to, hey, we're going to have a bunch of big bodies up front. We're going to we're going to establish some power football. Iowa's established power football. Wisconsin, they established power football. You look at any good team have a run; they've got a power run game that works. Part of the reason Ohio State's so good is that when they need to pound you up front, they can do it. Mm-hmm. Alabama, Georgia, Auburn—those good SEC teams can pound you up front with huge, huge athletic offensive lines, and they can move the ball.
3: Rob, it was a mentality you guys had, and it sounds like uh, that mentality may return with more of an uh, aggressive mindset to, to, to be firing forward versus um, I don't want to say passive, but but more of that zone scheme you were touching on. Rob, a couple of minutes, uh, last thought, Dr. Rob Zaniska with us here, Husker Hall of Famer, and uh, part of the pipeline. When when we talk identity, uh, when push comes to shove, is it? Do you do you worry about balance, or do you think Whipple will want be able to to run the football when he has to run it? That's been a issue with Nebraska for a few years.
5: I I hope there's a degree of balance because if you become one sided at all, I mean, I mean mm-hmm. you become a little easier to defend. If, if a team, and that's the thing. You don't have to run all the time, but you got to be able to run well. Yeah, And that's the bottom line is that you have to be able to run the ball when you need to and when you want to. And so if they pass the ball two-thirds of the time, fine. It's just you got to be able to line up and effectively run it so the opponent still has to – they can't just drop those safeties deep. They They can't just – Put a take a linebacker out and drop another defensive back in there and run nickel all day to shut down the pass. You've got to keep them a little bit honest, and you've got to be able to show them that hey, when we want to run, we can run just fine. Mm-hmm. And that's got to be a part of that offense. And so it's like I said, it doesn't have to be a numerical balance in terms of hey, fifty percent run, fifty percent pass, or. run, 40% pass, whatever, Um, but it has to be a capability balance. Your, Your effectiveness at running has to be as effective as you are passing. And if you're able to do that, you're going to be fine.
2: Well,
3: we are close to kickoff, less than uh, 50 days, I think 45 days or so, and uh, excited for it. We'll be headed to Ireland for live shows. Excited for that. Rob Zadiska with us, uh, Husker great. Rob, we'll uh, we'll make our way up to Omaha soon, probably for a live show at the Hale Varsity Club, and I'd love to to get you your favorite uh, frosty pint, my friend, as, as a thank you for, for all the times you do come on,
5: bud. Oh, heck yeah. I'm all for
3: it. Hey, you take care, and it was great to to spend time with you. Thanks for the insight as always, bud.
5: Absolutely. Hey, you guys have a great rest of the day.
3: Pardon the interruption, but I'd like to save you some money. I'm Brandon
1: Vogel, managing editor of Hale Varsity. I wanted to offer listeners of this podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you can get everything we produce, 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe and enter the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hail Varsity. That's HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe, promo code GBR.
5: Early to rise with Hail Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Here's Chris Schmidt and Mark Cranick.
3: All right, we snagged him right before tee off. Uh, (laughs) Tee off for Treasures, uh, JP96Kicks, my friend. Hey, Hey, thank you. Appreciate you you doing. And uh, the ninth annual tee-off for Treasures, yep. JP. It's Thank been
0: you. fantastic. Nine years running, four years of sellout, uh, and it's just a great crowd. We lucked out. The weather's going to be a little bit humid, but 84 is a Sweat out for, the bush life. Exactly. That's what people are going to have to do.
3: But it's I, a good time. I, I would love to—in a compressed manner, I know you got to get to the tee box, but uh, just real quick, JP, your association with Tyson— and, uh, and of course, uh, what the folks, the great folks uh, with Tyson's Treasure chest do.
0: Yeah, I met Liz and, and Ty. He was a little boy going through uh, chemotherapy and huge Jason Aldean fan. So we created uh, a campaign on social media to try to get Ty to Jason. And it took months and lots of uh, messages and shared messages and videos. And finally one day... Uh, Uh, Jason Aldean tweeted out a video, said, hey, buddy, I want to see you in Atlanta. And so he set it up to go out to Atlanta. They went to a Braves game, his favorite team, got to meet Jason Aldean, got walked around by the crew there, and they went to the ocean, and then a week later he passed away. And it was just – it was meant to happen the way it did, and it was a good thing, and and it kind of connected everybody uh, the way it had with, with Jeremiah and Emma and Randy and Liz and Austin and Danelle and the crew that are a part of the board and then the family and then the friends of the family and then the Husker family. And it just, it's blown up to what it is now, and we're excited for this year, and we're ready for the 10th anniversary next year, and it's going to be huge. And I'll let you know uh, ahead of everybody else because I haven't told anybody out there yet. As part of the 10th year, we're going to do some really special things with the golf tournament. We were also adding a bowling tournament. Oh, event right. at Sun Valley Lanes. It'll be in February. And this is more family oriented. So you can bring your kids out and get your team of six or whatever and bowl and also help out the cause. And with the Tyson Treasure Chest, filling those toys and, and tablets and blankets and whatever the kids need on the Four Children's Hospital in Omaha so they have something to take their mind off chemotherapy, or whatever treatments they're going through. And we want to expand that. Unfortunately, the pandemic kind of slowed that down a little bit, but we wanted to expand to Minneapolis and to Denver and to Kansas City. So we're working on that, and that's what we're going to hopefully be able to do with the 10th anniversary of the golf tournament next year and then bowling starting up.
3: Well, that's JP, 96 kicks, and his heart is uh, just so big with yeah. this the 10th annual uh, tee-off next year the 9th annual tee-off for Treasures you go swing away
0: we'll do our best microphone yeah
3: thank you buddy best of
0: luck to your boy playing ball today
3: oh yeah junior is off to west side here about three o'clock and uh, we shall see we are going to need a live chicken and lots of Joe <laughs> Boo's rum uh <laughs> there we go JP on 96 kicks uh awesome to get caught up with him and a little bit of the backstory with Tyson and uh Tyson's treasure chest we are uh, on the uh, doorstep here we'll get caught up with sports center and uh, then we will dive into hour two we're live here at woodland hills tee off for treasures the ninth annual tee off for treasures uh, tyson's treasure chest.org what a wonderful organization and cause great people and uh, just uh, such uh, love in the area Mm -hmm. right now Uh, we will get to sports center Uh, Brandon Vogel from HaleVarsity.com and Magazine joining us in Hour 2 to talk some... Uh, fall camp that's around the corner. It's time for Sports Center Gary Sharp on the way. Like what you hear? High quality radio and podcast is part of what we do at Hale Varsity. Hey, it's Chris Schmidt with Hale Varsity Radio, and I wanted to offer listeners of the Hale Varsity Radio Show podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you can get everything we do, 10 issues of our monthly magazine or annual football yearbook and all the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to Hailvarsity.com backslash subscribe and enter in the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hail Varsity. That's HaleVarsity.com backslash subscribe promo code GBR.
1: The Hail Varsity Radio Saturday morning show presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Strap yourselves in. Here are your hosts, Chris Schmitz. Y'all don't even know he was a virgin until he's 28 and now, roll tide.
2: And Mark Cranach
1: has come for someone to put his foot down and that foot is me
3: great to have you in it's hour two it's hail varsity radio presented by the nebraska lottery we're out here at woodland hills the ninth annual tee off for treasures tyson treasure chest.org golf classic excited to Be here uh, back-to-back weekends here out on a golf course on a Saturday. That's awesome. And two amazing causes. We are thinking about Tyson today. Good stuff from Jeremiah Searles in Hour 1. Uh, also caught up with Dr. Rob Zadiska, and uh, part of the board, uh, JP from 96 Kicks, and his wonderful relationship and story about Tyson into hour two. 42 days from kickoff, the countdown continues. We welcome in managing editor with HailVarsity.com and magazine Brandon Vogel with us at Brandon L. Vogel on Twitter is where you find him. vogt I love the the, the back. Drop every time I comment on it, I'm a broken record. But the the football office of one Brandon Elvogo, how are you doing this morning, man? Thanks for joining us.
1: I'm doing well. How are you?
3: We're good. It, it's dare I say two a day muggy. <laughs> yeah. two, two a day muggy out here, Uh and, and you know what? It's it's cloudy. It's a little bit uh, of a nice breeze. Uh, the bush light is cold and uh, they've been loaded up upon on on all the golf court golf carts but Cyril's pretty good week uh, for Nebraska fans when we think of some insight right before the calm before the storm uh, with camp getting underway and media days and all that but uh, quite a uh, a rotation of of Nebraska coaches uh, taken to the airwaves uh, between uh, Whipple and Mickey and, and Dawson and Fisher and uh, I want to get your take here on on uh, on the on the defensive line. I about said offensive line. We'll, we'll get there as well, but defensively, I'm interested in your take. With is there a is there maybe more than one potential star to emerge? We we've seen guys contribute. We've seen guys grow. And uh the Hale Varsity Yearbook has that story of growth with Garrett Nelson, really cool. But could this be, dare I say, a banner year for Nebraska on the defensive line when it comes to pass rush and and getting after the quarterback? Do you feel like that's that might be a good futures bet here for Nebraska to, to do something they haven't done in a while and that's consistently get pressure? Do you like the, the options that Coach Dawson has?
1: Yeah, I do. Um, it's it's interesting on the the pass rushing front. I'm actually working on something here coming up in the next couple of days for for watch list season. Um, <laughs> but a couple of years back, I uh, <laughs> sort of in fun, but sort of seriously, uh, decided to to try and coin the term the Sioux line, uh, which Ooh. is if uh, so. As we all well remember, and Don can see you had seven tackles for loss, including four and a half tackles for, or four and a half sacks against Texas just in one game. Since that time, eleven Huskers have hit those numbers in a season. Mm. Um, so, and I mean, when you think about it, being able to get in the backfield and being able to pressure the quarterback is is important. Teams that do that uh, can make things pretty difficult on on uh, opposing offenses. What I think is interesting about 2022 is, so in the past, uh, I think, yeah, Khalil Davis was the last one to hit that in his his final season at Nebraska. Jojo Doman was close. Um, but you've really only had probably one option to to hit that. This year, I feel like I could actually do a watch list uh, because you've got Nelson, who I think is a good bet. Uh, O'Shawn Mathis could be a good bet. Caleb Tanner has been getting a little bit of off-season buzz uh, for that. Now, there's not going to be enough TFLs and sacks to go around for all of them to get there, although Nebraska has had two in a season once. I'm forgetting what year it was off the top of my head, but it, it has happened one time where they got two teams or two players over those over those thresholds, seven tackles for loss, four and a half sacks, um, and it was, I think it was during one of the Randy Gregory years, and somebody else got there as well. Um, so, I'll write that all up and that'll be coming on the site soon enough. But talking about the D line, it's, it's been a while since I can remember where you had three guys that you legitimately felt like, okay, I could see this guy being a problem for opposing quarterbacks.
3: Brandon Vogel's with us. Hail varsity radio. We're here at Woodland Hills. Tee off for treasures. Ninth annual golf classic at Brandon L. Vogel on Twitter. It's I know about, I don't know about you. uh, I, I don't take it for granted anymore. But we had a pretty sweet uh, run of d- disruptors and difference makers, and and I just marvel at this stacking of NFL hellraisers. Uh, going back to Noonan, going to Broderick, going to Mike Kroll, going to Wistrom, to Rucker, to Dwayne Harris, and I'm I'm out of order, but. I mean, you had a you had a decade plus run. Uh, oh, okay. Here's Vandenbosch. <laughs> okay. I mean, you had a run of guys that would get you five to to nine sacks. Christian Peter had a year where he had seven and a half sacks uh, as a as an interior lineman. And then you had the the mother of all seasons where Sue put up incredible numbers. And then, oh yeah, by the way, his partner in crime Jared Crick was really really good as well. He was an All American. And then it just stopped, and then you were able to 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 get a guy like Randy gregory in and, and even the year eric martin had i mean eric martin was a, was a converted linebacker and and he he was close to a double digit sack guy i mean he was really big for uh that Nebraska team i think in t- 2013 so I think he had randy and and uh, emart and i might you know I might be off here but i think they they teamed up um or at least you went from one to the other. You you were able to yeah. to to replace uh, you know an all Big Ten TFL sack performer uh, with a guy like Randy Gregory. What what is a good number for the defensive line? What's what's Alabama? What's bad? What's average? I think back to to Carricker and Jay Moore, leading the nation in sacks. Uh, with John Blake's defensive line in 05. That defense was really, really underrated. I'm not asking for that if I'm a Nebraska fan, but what's what's a what's a good number, Vogues, uh, in totality here with TFLs and sacks?
1: Yeah, it's tough for me to, to know off the top of my head, but I can put it to you this way. So in 2019, when I did that Sioux line post and looking at how often a Nebraska player had got there, I also looked at – so, that year – so, again, seven tackles for loss, four and a half sacks for an individual. Um, So, that year, um, Michigan and Michigan State, I think, were probably the best defenses in the Big Ten. Michigan had two players hit that threshold. Michigan State had one. Uh, I think it was Alabama-Clemson in the national title that year, and they had, I think, three and four. So, for – you're thinking about that in terms of sacks, like – if you get above 30, you're generally going to be probably top third of the country. Um, and, you know, at above 30, that's a little less than than three a game over a 12 game regular season. But it may not sound like a lot, but if you're getting that many actual sacks, so two and a half a game or whatever it pencils out to be you're also probably getting and affecting the quarterback quite a bit. And high sack teams are almost by default going to be high tackle for loss teams. Uh, So that number of 30, 35, maybe if you want to be truly like top 20 is probably where you need to be.
3: You just need one guy Vogue's to break through and then it can, trickle down to the rest of the line so maybe a guy like Garrett Nelson has eight or nine this year which would be incredible uh, but he's also getting paid attention to a lot on third and eight which means one of the other three guys can go eat uh, and and that that's that's also super important you know is as, as high level as passing is in college football now and you still need to run to win and and run when you when you have to uh that's obvious and so Nebraska's run defense has steadily got better but it just it, it has been tough for this defense to live out on that island and cover for for 3 minutes <laughs> um when there's no consistent pressure but i think let's turn our attention from Garrett to to O'Shaan. we talked earlier this week about O'Shan's Jeep from Woodhouse Yes, it is a free shout out Saturday, forgive me. But uh he, he is he has proven and let's talk a little bit here about his transition uh from the Big 12 to the Big 10. And um there's different reputations on each league, but body type and athleticism is still pretty constant. I mean that 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 translates wherever you play. He's uh he's going to be big. He's going to need to be big and uh, as we look at at O'Shaan Mathis here, is it what he can do for the rest of the guys, or do you expect him to kind of take the bull by the horns uh, if you're Nebraska and and go go eat himself on Saturdays? What what what's most effective for him in your opinion here when it comes to help in this defense? What's what's that path?
1: Yeah, it's it's tough to say because of what you mentioned, uh, that Big 12 to Big 10 transition. And, you know, for, for Mathis, he kind of broke out and had a, had a really big 2020. And then in 2021, TCU's defense wasn't as good, first of all. Uh, but also he got a lot more attention, which is really interesting about this because that probably would have been Garrett Nelson for Nebraska this year. But now you've also got Mathis, and you've also got Tan- Tanner, who you know, we'll see. We've seen some some pretty good flashes from him, so it's it's a pretty good compliment. I think it gives them some time. It gives Mathis some time if there is an adjustment period to the Big Ten um, and just a different style of football, probably a different size of lineman. I mean, we're not, we're talking like you know an inch and a half and maybe ten. eight, eight, 10 pounds, but over the course of the season, um, you know, just seeing a bigger linemen, and I assume they're bigger. I had looked recently, uh, (laughs) than the big 12 on average, but I feel pretty confident in that. So it, it might give him time that the fact that it's not, he's not replacing Garrett Nelson. Um, they they've got kind of these three top guys that you point to as their potential pass rushers. And they should all be able to, to help one another. I mean, and we'll see how they're going to line this up and who's playing where and, and how they get creative with that. But, you know, it almost looks like, okay, if, if Mathis comes in and is the player he was at TCU and Nelson builds off of last year, it might leave a lot of opportunities for someone like Caleb Tanner um, which works. It doesn't matter who gets the sacks. Well, it matters to the players, but um, it doesn't matter to to Nebraska's bottom line who gets them. Uh, you just want to see that total get up there.
3: Well, let's talk interior for a minute. Brandon Vogel with us. So we're talking about the edge. Well, I like, uh, I like Ty Robinson uh, this season to, to, to progress. And listen, you go from a contributor that, that got some confidence during the COVID year, too. All right, dude, you're a starter. Go rock and roll, and uh, that's not easy to to as young as he was to to go kill it. And and he played good football. I think he can play great football this year because he's got a little experience under his belt. We always talk about the experience factor, and then you bring win in, and and don't forget a, a Devin Drew. I mean, this is shaping up to be a lot of fun if you're a Nebraska fan, potentially. Uh, on third and seven.
1: Yeah, it, it is. Uh, I think Ty Robinson is poised to have a pretty good season. I mean, we've seen him, even we even saw him last year as be one of those guys that, you know, on media availabilities, they'd put him out there. And he's a guy who's comfortable talking about it. So you feel pretty good about his, his leadership. And he needs to be that. I mean, he's basically the known entity Nebraska has coming back on that, on that defensive line. I'm really high on on Devin Drew this this year, um, wrote something this week looking at transfers, their production at their previous stops, their production at their their new stops, um, specifically at Nebraska. And Devin Drew put up some really, really solid numbers for a Texas Tech defense. Um, I'm banking on that level of production. Coming, coming to to Nebraska, you know he's he's a big guy. Um, still going through, like with Mathis, that Big Twelve to, to Big Ten transition. So there'll be a little bit there, but I expect Nebraska to get a lot of quality snaps out of him. And it's tough for those guys who are in in the interior. You don't see him show up a ton on the stat sheet, but they can still be doing uh, a, a really good job and doing what they need to do. Wins a little bit more of a wild card for me, and you know we we all know like he, he played at Alabama. He wasn't one of their top line guys, but it's Alabama, so you know what does that mean um, for his transition here? I think Nebraska will end up getting a, a bunch of quality snaps out of him too. Um, hopefully, everybody stays healthy up there uh, because the depth is a little bit of a question. I know Dawson spent a lot of time talking about Nash Hutmacher and gave a pretty clear picture of of where he needs to go from being kind of maybe the best weight room guy on the team. To translating that to to the field so you've got four options there that i think i at least feel pretty good to optimistic about
3: bogues do you feel better about the line with these new faces than hypothetically if it was the same old faces that transferred out again no shade on the kids that moved on god love them but did Nebraska upgrade potentially? We will be able to talk in December if that's a yes or a no. But if you're, a, if you're hedging a bet, do you think I love what they've got in here? Quite honestly, uh, you've got some guys that have played quite a bit of football and you have some guys that are waiting to play quite a bit of football, but they've not missed football due to injury.
1: Yeah, um, of, of those transfers up front, I think obviously the, the toughest one to replace was going to be Casey Rogers. Mm-hmm. And, you know, his his experience in this defense, his experience at Nebraska and experience in the Big Ten is just hard to to replicate. You know, some of those other transfers up there had seen some spot duty hadn't quite been full-time starters but look like they would have a shot at it this year if they'd stayed in lincoln so you know rogers i I don't know if i'm ready to say well they upgraded over that Uh, but i think they they got as close as they could like i said you know i think devin drew if he comes in and does what what i think he's capable of is gonna be a really really solid part of that line he's going to be a player that i think we're talking about in november of that was the right that was the right pickup that was the right guy for this um and i think win has that potential too it's just we've we've seen a little bit less of him so did did nebraska upgrade uh, i think they they got us, they got back to where they needed to be is what i'm comfortable going with at this stage without having seen those guys in a husker uniform
3: Brandon Vogel's with us here. Hail Varsity Radio, Voges. Uh, we'll get you out of here on this, but I want to spend some time on on running backs and good story by Jacob Bedilla this week. HailVarsity.com uh, on uh, on that uh, running back room, that uh, running back uh, by committee potentially, or maybe some dude seizes it and it is uh, the Anthony Grant show. Maybe it's the AJ Allen show. Maybe you have. Um, Uh, Not a surprise, but uh, some guys live up to their potential. And we were talking a little earlier uh, with Searles on this. Does Nebraska need a 1,000-yard rusher, or what's the number for you cumulatively that that running back by committee needs to hit? I know we just talked about sacks and the Sioux line. Are they needing a, 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 a someone uh, th- that group to to put up uh, an Amir number <laughs> uh, in, in this Whipple offense, or can it be uh, more bang for their buck when they do run the ball versus just the sheer number of attempts?
1: Yeah, I think it's going to have to be more bang for your buck because we'll we'll see. You know, that's one of the big mysteries. We wrote something about that for tomorrow with with Whipple is what's the what's the run pass ratio going to be here and i know it seems like well you know that's a really kind of in the weeds question but you know is, is nebraska going to be a majority pass team in 2022 uh his pit offense last year threw the ball 54 percent of the time nebraska last year ran the ball 55 percent of the time maybe they'll meet in the middle maybe they'll be you know the the much coveted balance that every coach talks about but it never really shakes out totally balanced that way so in in terms of numbers I I have a hard time seeing uh, a thousand yard rusher at Nebraska without knowing who that top guy is going to be or if there's going to be enough separation where somebody even gets enough carries to 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 hit that that thousand yard mark I think your if, if nebraska's lead back gets to 800 yards without knowing you know how the offense shakes out i think that's that's a pretty good spot you know 2018 which i think is best the, the run game looked for the huskers under this current coaching staff with divine Zigbo averaging almost seven yards carry like you'll you'll take that again if you can find it um I think they rushed for 20, just over 2,500 yards, which, if, you know, that team still went four and eight. So it, you know, it wasn't the answer to everything, but if you want a a, a target, uh, get to that number. And then the other key piece of this is, you know, you're not going to get as much from the quarterback run game. I think regardless of who ends up taking that job, some running back is going to have to step in and take that.
3: Is that going to be weird for you? It's going to be weird for me. Uh, not seeing the quarterback from a design standpoint in the red zone, fake a handoff, make a cut, and and dive into the end zone. Maybe it does happen. Maybe maybe there's a Logan Smothers option game signing in the red zone. Maybe there's some Tebow package going on. But uh, how crazy if, if it's not a little zone read look? If it's a straight ace backfield formation. it'll be awesome i mean if they're getting four and a half and it's second and five and they can do what they want but uh that'll be that'll be different uh seeing the quarterback run because he's running for his life it's not designed
1: yeah it will whipple in his radio appearance this week when talking about smothers did mention that option run game which kind of shocked me it was like oh I thought that was. Uh, I didn't expect that to be part of the plan, but I guess based on what they are talking about on the radio, I guess it still is. Um, yeah, it's going to be weird. I think. Uh, I think the number of seventy-yard touchdown runs that we've seen at Nebraska in recent years is going to go down quite a bit, uh, unless they come from the running backs. Which, uh, hey, you'll take them. I like the sacks. Doesn't matter who gets them, except to the players themselves. As long as the as long as you get them collectively.
3: Brandon Vogel's with us. Hale Varsity, uh, managing editor at uh, hailvarsity.com magazine. And, and of course the, the website, find uh, Vogue's on Twitter at Brandon L. Vogel. Vogue's, what are you working on this weekend? Uh, sounds like there's some, uh, some stories in the hopper here for big red fans as we uh, gear up here towards Ireland.
1: Yeah. Um, so tomorrow we'll have number three on our most intriguing Huskers list. Um, It is not a player. If you are listening carefully, you may know who I I ended up writing that about for tomorrow. Um, But I think it's the definition of intriguing. Like I said, going to put out a Sioux Sioux line watch list here shortly. Um, So that'll be coming early in the week and then uh, have some recruiting stuff next week as well.
3: All right. Vogues, thanks for having a cup of coffee with us this morning. uh, Part of a a special Roadshow Saturday. Appreciate you, brother, and, and enjoy your weekend. Thanks. You too, guys. There he is, Brandon Vogel with us. HailVarsity.com and Magazine. Weekend edition here, Tee Off for Treasures Golf Classic. The golfers are on the path to, uh, well, to, to not only have a great time, but uh, raise funds for Tee Off for Treasures. You uh, can, can log on, Tyson'sTreasureChest.org to find out more information. We'll uh, step away uh, and uh, call a timeout. The Iron Horse is coming up real quick. We want to send uh, birthday wishes to uh, the best guy out there, but an incredible coach uh, over at Lincoln Southwest, Tim Berta, Timmy B. We love you, and uh, you're a heck of a fisherman as well. Uh, Timmy B. is celebrating birthday number 49 today, 49 again. It's been 49 for a few years in a row, but Tim Berta is uh, blowing out some, uh, some candles. Uh, it may be ice cream cake and there may be some, uh, some Bush latte in the fridge. A timeout. Gary Sharps on the way. It's Hail Hale Varsity presented by the Nebraska lottery.
1: Like what you hear? High quality radio and podcasts are just part of what we do at Hale Varsity. I'm Brandon Vogel, managing editor. I wanted to offer listeners of the Hale Varsity radio show podcast, $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you can get everything we do. 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all of the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to hailvarsitycom slash subscribe and enter the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hail Varsity. That's hailvarsitycom slash subscribe, promo code GBR.
5: Early to rise with Hale Varsity Radio the voice of Husker Nation. Here's Chris Schmidt and Mark Cranach.
3: Back with you. It is Off for Treasures, the ninth annual Tyson's Treasure Chef Golf Classic here. Out at Woodland Hills, Chris Schmidt and Will Wilson. Mark Cranach on assignment. It is state baseball for little Cranach. Best wishes to those guys. Elijah Herbel on assignment out in Colorado. Do your own math there. On that, uh, I got an email in from Iowa Russ, making fun of my rejoin. Uh, So he said, Tim Baird is 49 years again. It's like uh, I'm in my 30s, right? I've I've not been in my 30s for a while. But uh, the rejoin big voice guy says, well, you know. Uh, he's in his 30s. Um, I'm, I'm going to keep running with that. Uh, we say hi to the Iron Horse, Gary Sharp. He joins us to talk some college football. Sharpie, good to spend time with you, bud. How are we?
2: Hey, good morning, Schmitty. Uh, I always like uh, when Kranich has the state tournament for his uh, little kids for baseball. Mm-hmm. It's the Nebraska state tournament, and they go to Iowa to play.
3: Brother, you're you're not kidding. Um, now, there there is the... I don't know who the city planner is in Council Bluffs, but uh, there was a juice bar, a foul ball away from one of the ball fields we played at for state tournament baseball in Council Bluffs one year. Uh, so the the moral of the story is Mama was able to go do her shift after Carson got done pitching.
2: <laughs> Are juice bars still a thing?
3: Well, maybe it wasn't a juice bar. I I, I did not explore. <laughs> <laughs> But I asked if I could.
2: (laughs) (laughs) For journalistic uh, purposes only.
3: Yeah, right. Yeah, we just got to see what this is. Is this just a a, a good old bar, or is there more that meets the eye here? Gary Sharp's with us. But, yeah, you're you're preaching to the choir. My big question to you, Sharpie, is can you make some calls to your friends in Lincoln and and get us uh, a a West Side replica because we're playing Legion ball at West Side this afternoon, and I, I mean just an incredible field. We were at Miller North earlier this week, and there's some some decent choices in Lincoln. But everywhere I go in Omaha, there's turf infield, and it's there, there's there's a, a canopy, so old man's sun doesn't beat you down. It it's just wonderful uh, making the trek up I-80 for baseball. We need about seven of these in Lincoln.
2: Well, you know, I, I've talked a long time about the, the investment in youth facilities and in high school facilities in this town, and you're right, it is impressive. Um, you know, people, that's a big passion. It's very, very, uh, uh, should I say, competitive in uh, Omaha, <laughs> yeah. where it's the youth sports or high school sports, and so it almost becomes an arms race.
3: It's almost uh, it, it's like the SEC in the Big Ten, right? I, I love it. Um, we uh, look at some college football Gary and, you know, we're we're 42 days away from kickoff uh, in Ireland. We spent some time talking uh, with Vogue's about the defensive line and sacks, hurries, hits, all that stuff. And to his point, you know, the Sue line. Uh, can you have a, a couple of guys put up season numbers w- with what Sue put up against Texas in the in the Big 12 championship game? And I I, I see this stat on Twitter about three or four times a year where Sue outperformed major college football programs, entire season output by their defensive line. That's how good Oh nine was for him. I want uh, to go to the, the the wide receiver side of things here and really enjoyed Mickey Joseph this week. And uh, I thought from you here, Sharpie, we, we need to know where it can be distributed here. Uh, I, I thought, um, Mickey was pretty forthcoming with where some guys are at uh, in this offseason as they get ready for fall camp. I didn't hear a ton about Omar Manning. Uh, should I panic about that, or what's your read? Is, is Omar locked in and ready to go? What are you hearing?
2: Well, I, I, you know, I think that was one of the big takeaways from Mickey's discussion on the radio the other night, is he didn't mention Omar Manning. Now, Omar Manning is going to play. Mm-hmm. He's in the top six. How much he's going to play is all about him. You know, you you, you can't, and and Mickey has a line, and I'm a little bit paraphrasing here. Uh, Mm. You you can't use something you don't know about. And, you know, sometimes I think Omar, you know, it it seems like it's always something. And I, I know he's battled some things, but at some point, you have to let your ability take over and grind and do the things that are needed in that room because you have a wide receiver coach that's holding you accountable that has a standard, that sees something in you. But if you don't reach that standard, you're not going to find yourself on the football field. That's why a Trey Palmer is like a Pied Piper. Here's a guy that's been around Mickey, that's been around NFL wide receivers, and he knows what it takes to get on the field and the grind every single day. So hopefully that trickles down to the rest of the wide receivers. But the thing to keep in mind about the wide receivers, and there's a lot of excitement because Mickey is coaching him, and you've got a Trey Palmer and you've got a Garcia Castaneda guys that you haven't seen before, Marcus Washington, is haven't caught a lot of footballs. So this is going to be new to them. Can Trey Palmer make the jump from catching 30-plus passes at LSU to possibly 55-60? to Um, But it's it's a room that's got some options in it. It's got Brody Bell in it as well, who is very versatile. And that's not just blowing smoke to say his name. They legitimately like him, and you're going to see him in situations this year that make sense, maybe compared to the the last couple of years that he's played football at Nebraska. Um, I like the wide receiver room, but they all have to make that jump. But Omar Manning is going to play. I don't know that he's in the top three, though.
3: And again, to your point, that is up to him. Gary Sharp's with us here. Hail Varsity Radio Weekend Edition out at Woodland Hills, as it is the Tee Off for Treasures Ninth Annual Golf Classic. Sharpie uh, with Mickey and, and his standard. He is very clear. Uh, he is very good at communicating here is what you need to do uh to uh to be successful and uh, do it every day to keep your job i love that transparency uh what what do you feel uh about uh a, a couple more guys we we talked omar here uh what's your takeaway here with uh, a guy like uh um, oliver martin uh is he somebody that that can have more Illinois-type performances this year. And is, is is Martin a guy that has just battled some confidence issues along with injuries? Is that what's kept him from, from hitting the ceiling?
2: Well, and he's also, you know, he's been at three programs. He's had numerous wide receiver coaches. He's had numerous quarterbacks. Um, I think so, he's somebody that could be very steady for you. If he gives you three to four catches a game and maybe a little bit more, yeah, there, there's, there is no doubt he can perform like he did on week zero last year. And he's in the mix. He's going to be in that second group. You know, Mickey will play probably seven to eight wide receivers and have faith in nine. So Oliver Martin will be in that second group. But again, this will be about if you perform, you're going to play more. And I think you'll see that at, at all the positions that have new, head, uh, new position coaches. If you perform, you're going to play. If you don't perform, we have recruited and coached ourselves into options where you're not going to play because they can't wait a long time this year, as you know, Schmidt. I mean, Mm -hmm. the leash on some guys is going to be awful short if they're not up to the standards that are required by that position coach.
3: Mickey touched on talent and culture needing to change. I don't want to wear you out with a culture question here, Mm -hmm. but uh, your read into the wide receiver room, what was the culture in the wide receiver room before Mickey got here?
2: Well, you got to remember, wide receivers, and, and Mickey is perfect to coach them. you got to think a little bit different. They can be divas. They can be out there. <laughs> they like to showboat, you know, all of that kind of stuff. So you got to, as a position coach, almost match that. And I think that's why Mickey is really, really good at building relationships with wide receiver-type players, building relationships with his room. I think when he talks about culture, I think what happened last year, with Matt Lubick in that room, is there was not a ton of respect for Lubick. And he maybe didn't fully hold them accountable or let them know where they stood on a daily basis. And so I think it got kind of sideways in the communication. And there's a, there's a complete difference when you have Mickey in that room because all those guys know where they stand. He's not blowing smoke. He doesn't go on the radio and say something different that he's not saying in front of your face in front of the room. And I think that will benefit some guys in there with some structure and just knowing what they have to do to play and what it looks like to be able to even get on the field on a daily basis. A
3: few minutes here, Gary Sharp with us, Hale City Radio, Off for Treasures, ninth annual golf classic, as uh, we are out here at uh, Woodland Hills. Uh, Will Wilson back in our studio. Sharpie, a bigger picture here as uh, we get ready for Indy. Nebraska will kick things off, lead things up off that uh, Tuesday morning at Lucas Oil. Excited to be up there for that. Uh, What's the sense and vibe you're getting? We know the pressure and the expectation. Trev had a good sit-down with our friend Mitch Sherman this week in the athletic. Uh, Pretty uh, straightforward with uh, expectations in the performance business. All those uh, talking points that, yeah, I mean, it, it's a question. How do you think uh, Nebraska's heading into this? Are they, uh, it, like, excited energy, or is there just nervousness because of the uh, the, the, the need to perform, that October 1st date that looms, uh, the, the review that took place, the restructuring that went on? How, how is the, the head man and, and staff handling this going in?
2: Well, I, I think everyone is cognizant of what's going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you can't, you can't avoid it. Thomas Fedoni, you know, basically said last week, if you know, we know that if we don't win, coach is going to get fired. So they're aware of what they have to do. I, I think this has been a good offseason for Nebraska because it's been pretty quiet. There hasn't been, you know, the head coach hasn't spoken. I don't think since the spring game, you know, radio appearance uh, one time. So it's been quiet I mean, look at look – at, this could have – and I brought this up last week. O'Shawn Mathis, anybody talking about him? We talked about him for a lot back in May. But he has been very, very quiet this offseason. And I think Nebraska as a whole has been quiet, and that's good. I mean, they know what's in front of them. You don't have to sugarcoat it. They know that they have to be better. And they have to do things that they haven't done in the first four years to be where they want to be. And I think guys, they like where they're at, but there's a lot of unknowns going into the season that you're not going to know for 42 days. And once you get there, then things will start to make sense. But there's a lot of moving pieces that have to come together. That's why I think when Nebraska opens camp in a couple of weeks, they can't have any bad days. they got to hit the ground running because it's going to be quirky to play that first game where they're playing it. And remember, you don't get an off weekend. You come back and you play right away, and the season unfolds. So I think they're ready to go. I think this is – you know, I don't know how much more they can do to the roster. You know, they like where the roster is out, but there, have, there are guys that are great unknown, and then there are guys that are returning that, of course, have to be better than they were last year.
3: Gary Sharps with us, Hale Varsity Radio. Sharp, you're going to switch gears. Uh, your thoughts on, on Tiger's walk on 18 yesterday? It's, it's uh, an incredible tournament, the Open, and uh, we'll see who can take charge here day three. But uh, what a tribute to Tiger and... I know you followed Tiger quite a while.
2: Uh, You know, it's one of those sentimental things. I mean, when you see Tiger get emotional, a guy that growing up, I mean, didn't show any emotion whatsoever. He was lethal. Um, You know, that was a guy that's 46 years old, that is past his prime, and he's playing a sport which he still enjoys, but he can't compete like he used to. And I think it hit him all at once in that special place. And that's one of the cool things about sports. We recognize greatness, and Tiger, no doubt, is great. Do we ever want to see him walk away? No, but we know that the time is coming, and it may, we may not see him again until the Masters, and that is probably fine, and you have to think in your head, what's it going to look like when it's finally over? But we've all been able to watch him in his prime, an unbelievable player, and what he has meant to that sport and what he has meant in the impact outside of his sport. But that's, that was cool yesterday. I mean, everybody had to kind of stop and go, wow, and I'm glad he took it in. I, I think you saw the emotion of his entire career come together at that point. And I'm glad people at that course, the home of golf, they mm-hmm. recognize Tiger Woods. So, you know, it's, it's, now it shifts to it, could this be a Rory against the live golfers, um, which is an interesting storyline. But, it's uh, you know, I, I, this is one of my favorite majors, and especially when you play at the old course and especially when you have early morning TV on that has live sports.
3: It is good. Gary Sharp with us, a weekend edition Hail Bar City Radio. Ninth annual tee-off for Treasures out here at Woodland Hills and uh, org if you want to find out more and donate. Sharpie will get you out, but uh, your connections in Florida run deep. Your thought right now on either conversations or timeline here with the U in Florida State in the SEC, what do you believe?
2: Uh, I don't think it's going to happen. You know, if you're looking at the SEC, they're pretty good, 16 right now. And if if you look at the way they have expanded, into southern brand. Moves make sense. Um, You know, I know Florida State would like to get out. But let's be honest, ACC would be in a better spot if Florida State and Miami were better in football. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't see it. I I think, you know, really the only thing right now that we're all waiting on is Notre Dame. You know, we've kind of taken a pause, which happens. You add – you, you, you shift the alignment and everybody waits, and that's what we're doing. We're waiting for Notre Dame, and, you know, we're waiting for a TV contract and whatever happens. But I, I do believe when the SEC says they're comfortable at 16, they'll stay at 16. Remember, the ACC and ESPN have a relationship. ESPN and the SEC have a relationship. So why would the ESPN want to break up the ACC? But keep an eye on it. I mean, nobody, nobody had pegged UCLA and USC to make the move to the Big Ten.
3: Are we roadieing out to that first game uh, in, uh, in the city of Troy? Are you going to make that happen?
2: Uh, oh, hey, any, any game, I'll tell you, if Nebraska gets in a pod with the two Los Angeles schools and one year they have one team at home and the other they're on the road, there will be a large contingent every year either at the Coliseum or at the Rose Bowl of Nebraska fans. There just will. I mean, that's a benefit for the Nebraska fans that live on the West Coast. And every time we've gone out to the West Coast, You've seen the turnout by Nebraska. I don't know that that the, the scheduling will be fascinating on what's going to happen with uh, with how it's all going to work and how many you know who's going to get the disadvantage or the advantage of playing UCLA or USC at a, a big time of day.
3: I can see it now: the Sharpie World Tour, the layover in Vegas, <laughs> and then the uh, the pregame experience, the game, and then uh, Sunset on a Saturday night with Gary Sharp.
2: Uh, throw in Sunset Boulevard, we'll be
3: fine. That's what That's what I meant, Sunset Boulevard uh, after after a, a noon kick. Sharpie, enjoy cool. your weekend, bud. Thanks for jumping on with us. Hey,
2: thanks, Smitty. Enjoy uh, enjoy that great event you're at at, uh,
3: at the golf course. Appreciate you, brother. There he is, Gary Sharp, with us, the Iron Horse. And uh, we are uh, about ready to wrap up shop. Uh, we'll be back uh, on Monday at 4. For uh, for Hale Varsity Radio, good stuff from Gary Sharp, uh, JP from 96 Kicks hopped on and his association with Tyson's Treasure Chest so uh, so near and dear, along with uh, Jeremiah and Emma Searles and uh, what they do, and uh, just a great uh, experience to be out here this morning here at Woodland Hills. Uh, as uh, we are uh, here for the ninth annual Tyson's treasure chest T off for treasures can log on Tyson's treasure Chest.org, and uh, find out more and uh, much love and uh, support to Austin and Liz uh, chambers as uh, we remember Tyson and uh, what they do uh, every year. And that is uh, put uh, this golf tournament together and fundraise so toys and tablets and blankets can be purchased to, to put in a toy chest to be given and donated to uh cancer children's hospitals all across the, uh, the country. Uh, Willie J what's on the docket for you before we say goodbye here, are you are uh, going to find your way to the golf course this weekend, or is it just still, uh, uh, you're in wait and see mode for the weekend.
1: Yeah, I'm going to head home, uh, take a little nap before four o'clock. I got a tent tonight. So, uh, just kind of resting and, uh, yeah, just hanging out, man. What about you? I know you got baseball
3: coming up. Baseball, and and then uh, I'm going to go crash uh, uh, a place called El Paso later, Okay, I think is what I'm thinking about. But a doubleheader and maybe get some golf lined up for tomorrow. Willie J., you're awesome, brother. Appreciate you. Take care. We'll be back at you Monday with Hale Varsity, presented by the Nebraska Lottery.
2: A at Media Production.